Dan, you prick, back again. Hey, Dan's nightmare, they call it. Dan's night terrors, the podcast. New Zealand's 187th favourite podcast. There's yeah. only 189 podcasts in New Zealand. I haven't checked we the charts. We thrashed those other two. I haven't checked the charts for ages, but I'm presuming we're still behind um, Ben Shapiro and fucking, I don't know who else. We're Brandon judging Schultz. by the state of the fucking country. It's all going to shit. So, what you could do... Oh, Dom's having a deck now that this is all over. Uh, for, for the listeners, Dom's wearing a Led Zeppelin, like, cut-off T-shirt. So it's cut off into a tank top and he's just smoking some deck and relaxing <coughs> on the couch. This T-shirt's caused a lot of problems, actually. Really? Well, I don't like Led Zeppelin. And so I, you get in these situations of people where they want to talk to you about Led Zeppelin. You uh, say you don't like Led Zeppelin, but people that do like Led Zeppelin, they really like Led Zeppelin. And so, yeah, you know, madness ensues. I'd, I'd kind of presume that you didn't. I know you, so I have a good <laughs> good reason to believe it's you. It's actually a prop like, from a short film that we made, but it's a really good T-shirt. Yeah, sure. I don't know if you can see that. It's quite a good cut. Yeah, it does look. It looks really nice on you. And I mean. Fuck, I smell terrible as well. Do you ever wear that down whammy bar? Your Led Zeppelin tea? I haven't been to whammy bar for a while. <laughs> How are you, yes. Dan? You living large? Yep, large. Mm. Someone took Dan's phone off him in the street today. Just yeah. Stole it off him. Put their covid fingers all over it. Yeah, rubbed their hands in his face and took his phone. I wonder, if it, was, I wonder if it was one of Ricardo's heavies they sent because you fucking stood him up with your fake job. Probably. <laughs> I've seen he's rolling like pretty deep out there and all their hunger. Yeah. Yeah, you did have a D&D t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, Poor Dan. This episode 20, we made it this far. That's five fucking months. Um, perhaps we thought it would Jesus all be... Jesus Christ, five months. Yeah, perhaps we all thought it would be all over by now, but here but we things are. Things just keep getting worse, don't they? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the listeners have noticed... But there's like 76 of you or something who are supporting this podcast. And there's, um, oh, I mean, everyone that's listening supporting in their own way, I guess. But no, they're fucking not. They're malingerous. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have, you ever, have you ever noticed that, that we're not trying to sell you like tooth whitener or state-of-the-art jockstrap? Because, because we could actually do that You know the thing that we're signed up to Which um, pushes the podcast out They keep asking us to put ads on So we could yeah. So you'd be listening to this And be like Hold on a sec Time for a break Yeah And then, You know it's Nothing worse Have you tried to listen to fucking any of Fucking end up with like Dog worming fucking ads Have you listened to the iHeartRadio podcast? They have like ads Breaks several times in the episode Fucking drives you nuts it's So do you people want that? Is that what you want from your life? That's what you're pushing us towards Yeah if we don't Could get a hundred people signing up to Patreon at some arbitrary date, then we'll keep threatening to do this, but do not I'm, actually do it. Do I make a solid date? Well, I, guess, <laughs> I guess if we're going to follow through on, not going to follow through on the threat, then there's no point having a solid date, is there? Fuck, the listeners know us well enough by now. They knew if we, if we had any opportunity to sell out, we would have taken it. Yeah. Hey, my, my favorite news story of the day was... Do you um, want a beat for this? Sure. Some some kid had a um, piece of Lego that was stuck in his nose for two years. Come out, I believe. He had a bit of Lego in his nose for two years. Yeah, 
pretty good. Oh, my other, my other favorite bit of news today was there's this, um, there's this MMA fighter from Melbourne who I saw that he fought in in the UFC and he challenged the premier Dan Andrews to a fight over the lockdown today. <laughs> oh my god! Fuck, Australia is amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet place they say. Yeah, well, I remember when I, because um, I guess for the listeners that don't know, I, I moved back and forth between New Zealand and Australia about five times because I'd go to Australia and then I'd get fat and depressed and not ride anything. I'd come back to New Zealand and I'd be starving and get pleurisy and then I'd come back to Australia. But anyway, I mean, one time moving back and like, I'm really going to make a goal of it in Australia this time. I'm sure it's going to be fine. And it was my second day there and I got to the tram stop and then this big, huge, fat bogan came up to me and pushed me and was like, you got too many fucking tattoos, mate. And I was just like, why am, why am I here? Yeah. What's going on? That's such you a know? fucking, such a fucking Australian thing to happen, man. And he had tattoos too. It's not like yeah. he didn't have any fucking tattoos. Yeah. Just people are so fucking obnoxious here. Like, what about when the, what about when that woman spat on it? Me and you and JJ in the mall in Brisbane. We're not Brisbane. What's the other place? Adelaide. Huh? Remember that? When we were in Adelaide for Christmas and we were walking through the mall and that woman spat on us and then you tried to fight her husband. Spat on us? You don't this, remember that? This is a real thing that happened. We are walking through the mall and this woman goes, you're disgusting, and then spat on us and then you tried to fight her husband who obviously didn't want to have anything to do with the whole situation. Kind of rings a bell. Dan, can you verify this? Ask JJ, he'll remember. JJ was really upset. He's like, Todd, no, calm down. Fuck, I'll fight anyone in the mall. Especially at that time. That was like peak Todd fighting someone at the mall. Yeah. (laughs) The mall's... Not many people know, but the mall's probably one of the best places to fight someone. How's how's that? I don't know. It's just public. You can make a real example of them. I think people... I think people expect it less, you know? Yeah. So if you attack someone in the mall, they're not really... They're not anticipating a physical attack whereas in like a club or something people true people were a bit more expectant of of uh physical violence but in the mall people think they can just mouth off and nothing (laughs) 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 but you you showed you showed that woman's husband nothing's gonna do you think when he left the house that day to go to the mall and get like a nice coffee that he thought there'd be an altercation with (laughs) tattooed new zealander no probably not you know, he's probably just mm-hmm. there to fucking hit up the reject store. Yeah, the not quite right store. Yeah. Do you know San bought a chicken from the not quite right store one time? What? Oh. <laughs> San bought a chicken, like a roast chicken from the not quite right oh. store. <laughs> I thought you meant a live chicken, but... <laughs> nah, that... that'll be all right. But yeah, this... a roast one. And I was like, dude, you want to eat that, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all right if you want to get some, like, socks from there, but you don't want to get a fucking roast chicken from the $2 shop. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, I don't oh. know, maybe it's better than getting socks from there. Socks from the not quite right store probably make your shoes smell like after one wear. Yeah, I don't know, man. Poultry not, is a po- fucking not quite right. Poultry is a dangerous game to play, as Dan will tell you. Hey, the election's being pushed back. Yep. How how you guys feeling about that? Oh, good. More time for Dan to get in there and do some sound for the Greens. Fucking more time mm-hmm. for Dan to enroll to vote because he's not even enrolled yet. Really? No. He's been fucking going on Facebook saying I'm not enrolled. Atrocious. I don't know if I'm going to. Don't know if I'm going to vote. He's one of those people that thinks that voting is encouraging, encouraging them. 
Yeah. Uh, more truths. <laughs> um, if you know, if you know any seventeen-year-olds who are about to turn eighteen, in that Tell time. Tell them to enroll. Yeah. Get them, them to get in there. In there. Change sure. the country. What if they? What if they got conservative values? Then maybe tell those ones not so much. Yeah, tell them it's tell the conservative people. ones. You can get them to fill out a fake form. This doesn't really go into the, you know, just be like mm. a Google form. Imagine being a seventeen-year-old with conservative um, politics. Fuck, there's heaps of them. Yeah, I know, but it's still surprising. I don't like, know. I mean, people just know what they know, and if your parents are rich and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I used Should to we? work, when I worked in Fatima's for minimum wage in this cafe. Um, You're fucking chatty tonight. You're usually trying to hurry the intro up. Well, I've got but, to go to the toilet, so now I'm oh yeah, back please, in there. Please continue. Oh, no, we'll, we'll wind it up if you want. No, I want to hear the Fatima's. hear my amusing anecdote? I want to hear well, the... So we're all working in this cafe for fucking minimum wage. I mean, as far as shitty jobs go, it was pretty good, but it's still a shit job. And there was this one young girl there who was, I don't even think she was 18. She, um... And she was like, all like national and all this fucking shit. And I was like, motherfucker, like, you're earning the least amount of money that you can earn legally <laughs> to do this, like, the fucking, ah, oh, anyway. To clean out the deep fryer. No, she didn't have to clean out the deep fryer. That was like... Your job. That was the, my job, yeah. Is anyone, um, anyone who's listening doesn't clean out a deep fryer, it's not, um, it's not all it's cracked up to be, I tell you that much. And you'll never want to eat anything out of a deep fryer ever again. Nah. See that. You Dan, can take, Dan, Dan must have cleaned a deep fryer in his time. Surely. Me, me. Heaps. Yeah. Every cooking at... job I've ever had, you've got to clean the deep fryer. Is it generally me? Can you not just tell them to get fucked? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> uh. Oh. Anyway. Is that that's, us? That's what Sean did. His first ever job, he got a job at New World. And his first first task he was assigned was to clean the, the bathroom out. And he just, like, walked out of there. That's a fucking... <laughs> that's a man with dignity right there. Yeah, look at him now. He's fucking fucking all of us. picture him walking yeah. out of there, too. Oh, hell yeah. I don't think he got another job for, like, another 15 years. His second job was, like, in his 30s. In the mines. Big save furniture. <laughs> Oh, shit, I remember walking out of a job one time and being like, fuck you, and kicking shit over and throwing my apron down and walking out. And, and, and the further I got from there, just the more I realised how much I needed that job. And it also all my shit was still back there. And I had to do like a, like a cartoon, like U-turn, and then come back and get my stuff and walk in and then walk back out again. And like, oh. Have I ever told you have I told the story about, about the last time I got released from prison and I was like getting walked out of the yard and I gave everyone the fingers? And I was like, ah, better not come back here. <laughs> <laughs> what about when we were catching that plane to um, go play in oh. Wellington or whatever, and it was a real bad landing, and then we're getting off, and Todd gave the fucking pilot the fingers. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. And he looked so shocked. Like <laughs> I was pissed off, man. I guess it, I guess it wasn't really his, his fault, though, now. Now I look at it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Give the pilot the fingers. I was angry. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, fuck, we should start. This is, what, this is one of our best episodes. We're wasting everyone's attention on this shit. Yeah, if you're still listening, keep listening. Cause, um, yeah, this is a really good episode. There's, got, there's yeah. nothing like this intro. <laughs> Don't play the music, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome back. A little bit older, a little bit uglier. We couldn't get another producer, so Dan's back as well. Look at, look at this, Dan. We can divulge all this now. This is what, this is what tells me that you can get into it. <laughs> I don't necessarily like him, but I respect him. Well, everyone needs jewelry. He's a maniac. It's further to him crippled. It, this is an audio podcast, Don. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dan? I'll, I'll do an introduction first, Tina, which I, I prepared earlier. Uh, he loves introductions. Well, we're actually terrible at them, so. Um, t- today's guest is Tina Nata. She is an en- environmental indigenous rights advocate, a writer, journalist, and is leading the charge and exemplifying a compassionate approach to dealing with people whose rightful distrust in institutions has made them vulnerable to harmful conspiracy. How's that? Sounds good. Yep. Sounds oh, about yeah. right. Excellent. That was a, so, a good intro for you, Todd. Yeah, thank you. It's one of the better ones I've done. I actually put some, <laughs> put some effort in and read, read your um, bio on the spin-off. Oh, is it the spin-off? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've been busy of late with everything going on. Um, I came across, I actually, Money Dunlop from Radio New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, showed me your article and it was... Obviously, I was in the in the thick of it with just I don't know talking to lots of people who uh, believe in a lot of these conspiracies at the moment. You've been going and, in lately, haven't you, Todd? Yeah, and I was finding it difficult. And I read your article, and I thought it was provided some perspective that was pretty valuable at this time. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Glad it worked for you. And um, it's been really well received. Um, well, not 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 roundly well received. Some people <laughs> take an exception to it, but but it's had some. It's it's meant a lot to quite a few far known. I've had some more than, and I've written. I write quite often, but I'd say um, some of the responses that I've had have been quite profound. A lot of people who, you know, it made me really um, understand closely how deeply people are being affected. By um, mm. I'm kind of shifting more towards the term rabbit hole logic than conspiracy theories because um, it just doesn't always sit comfortably with me to say that all conspiracies are fake. Yeah, um, sure. There are some valid conspiracy. You know, there there are people who conspire. There are powers mm. that conspire, um, and so I think both it doesn't do justice to some of the issues that we that should be challenged and railed against but also um it can leave yourself a little bit vulnerable um if if you if it comes across that you're suggesting that there isn't any such thing as conspiracy at all so i'm kind of leaning more towards trying to lean more towards the term rabbit hole logic to to kind of describe that space where you start off talking about COVID and you wind up talking about subterranean humanoid <laughs> species in <and> flat earth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's a really important point too, because I think if you do approach it from that angle or then people you're trying to engage or trying to like um, engage with some facts or truth, oh, uh, immediately if you're coming from that you're a conspiracy theorist angle they you're not acknowledging that your own distrust of um power and capital Mm. and 
and those institutions that do conspire against the people. Like we are um, left without heaps of agency and power over our own lives and where I think a lot of this, this stuff comes from. So I think acknowledging that commonality is a good starting point. Yeah, totally, totally. And um, it, it's less, um, it's also less patronising. And I think as soon as people mm. start to feel patronised, then they tend to dig their heels in and, and they don't feel that you're going to understand them anyway. So they just, you know, it just winds up not becoming a very productive space. It's um, hard sometimes, though, eh? not to be, you know. It's challenging. It's real challenging, um, especially when, when some of the ideas seem so far removed from from reality. But, you know, like um, uh, we had this experience the other day at a, we were at a, a hui at the Marae and the council had asked us um, to talk about the Endeavour Memorials um, it's a, you know, it's a related issue. I'll draw the connection mm. in a second. But they had asked us to consult with them about the um, Endeavour Memorials and, and our choices were um, were really for them to tell us like where it was that we wanted, but they never asked the community if we wanted them in the first place. We were only ever given the choice of where we wanted to put them. Um, and we were forced to participate in that process. And what we knew would happen, the whole reason that it did happen, is because if we didn't participate in the process, our silence would be taken as complicit, as complicity, and it would be written up that we approve of them going somewhere. So we had to participate in a process that for us was a, a breach of the treaty. Um, and and one of the things that I pointed out to them at the time is, you know, it's no wonder that people that are forced to undergo these kinds of processes come out with mental health problems because, you know, mm. you're forcing us to undertake processes and if we don't undertake it, then our rights are abused. And, but, and so you're making us abuse our own rights. Yeah. And that is some schizophrenia-inducing behaviour. And I say that not in an ableist way. I'm really genuine in so far as it's triggering, it triggers deep-seated trauma about us being caught up in a system for many generations now that we feel we have no power in. And that kind of trauma can wind us can wind up with, with deep-seated paranoia about systems and about authority. And you have that happen again and again and again and again all the time, not just this year, but every year, and not just this generation, but every generation. It, it changes the way that you behave and it changes the way you see the world. It will change your language and it will change how you speak to your children. It will change how you view your children's world and how they view their world when you raise them that way. And that's how trauma gets passed on between the generations. And so, you know, I, I was, I've just been thinking about that experience the last couple of days and, and going, you know, it's, it's easy for us to make mental health jokes and I don't agree with mental health jokes, but it's also kind of genuine to say that there's some mental health issues tied up in this when people and the same with middle class people who have had the same, you know, we have the same thing happening over in the United States with Trump and Mark mm. and them. 
but you get suppressed and oppressed for however many generations, you're going to have some issues determining what's real to what's not real. Real. You're going to have some issues determining, you know, whether people are genuinely after you or not. And um, and so I, I do think that there are some mental health issues in play. I don't want to. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. I just I just know what mental. You know, going by some of the strict um, definitions of some of our mental health and knowing that trauma can lead to mental health issues and problems determining what's real and what's not real. Yeah, I, I saw a huge example of trauma being weaponized by by these people who are spreading these mistruths like yesterday and it was two two young maori men like oh, about my age who i know from like forever i've known them forever and they'd come across that bit of legislation or i'm not sure what bill it was part of but it was talking about being able to remove a child from a home to test the child for for covid oh, yeah. and that that's been shared around and they are so angry and like i understood their anger but they, so they've been given this one bit of information without additional context. We could have another conversation about um, what a heavy-handed approach does and whether that's necessary or not. But just like that, they saw that sentence and it struck fear and trauma in them. Yeah. Um, and they're real fucking mad. And they just need to see that. And that automatically turned down this direction that can be really destructive and dangerous. Yeah, hard out. And because... You know that again it's triggering because we've we've had children taken ripped out of our arms now for however long by the state so one it makes it really believable for us um mm. and and two it puts us in this immediate space of fear you know a real extreme response um and and so um and it's you know deeply rooted in our history as well and so um you know, those sorts of things will definitely trigger our whānau and make it more difficult to, because in a way, you, you know, you need to be able to um, objectively look at a piece of legislation, look at a bill, take it apart, look at a piece of media or whatever it is, take it apart and, and critically analyse the information. What is this thing actually saying in front of us? Let's take the emotional language away and have a look at what this thing, and, and it's really hard to do that when you're having mm. your emotions triggered because you have deep-seated trauma um, in relation to that particular issue. And taking children out of homes is one of those issues, especially. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think also you, I, like um, the government, you know, refusing to take responsibility, like it's like you can't underfund um, the education system and the welfare system and all these systems that make a society function and then we're like, oh, why have people got these strange ideas? It's like, because if you think like, you know, like that example you're saying, Todd, I mean, in the past that might have been those people discovering, you know, like radical left politics and actually having a really positive effect on their life. But because mm. people don't have that access to education that they, you know, they potentially could have or once did, it's just kind of like, well, you know, you go online and it's just, like you say, that rabbit hole of fucking sanity. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. I, I don't know if, if you all saw it. I think it was early this week, but Billy TK was at a, at a, um, I don't know, event. I think it was in Whangarei. And he was speaking. And he was um, next to a, uh, is it a tino rangatira tanga flag? The red and black. 
yeah. And he he finished his speech or his talk by saying, make New Zealand great again. And it was just this really stark picture because I was like, well, what, what part of New Zealand history is he talking about? Because I don't think he's talking pre-colonisation because um, then his MAGA fans aren't going to like that. They're already worried about him being Māori separatist. I've seen people talking about that, like the, the white people into um, New Zealand Public Party. And then it's like also post-colonisation, which era was great for, for Māori and... Uh, what exactly is he referring to? Yeah, I've got some real issues with the way in which some of our um, mana motuhake symbols are being used um, mm. in in relation to that movement as well. And so I'm almost more inclined to deal with the likes of the new conservatives who are at least open about their white supremacy. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know what you're dealing with then. But when yeah. people are using things, you know, our mana motuhake symbols like the Tinorangatiratanga flag and like the Whakaputanga, he Whakaputanga flag, which is a, one of our original, very potent symbols of, um, of self-determination. Um, and then I know that there's also, they're now starting to call upon the 28th Battalion, you know, the symbols of the 28th Battalion and... Um, our grandfathers and great grandfathers that went to fight in the Second World War, and um, and saying, you know, oh, they didn't fight for this. No, what they what they many of them fought were Nazis. They were fighting yeah. white supremacy, and yeah. so and so if you are going to allow yourselves to be associated with rhetoric out of white supremacist corners and you're going to allow yourselves to be associated with neo-nazi organizers and um, white supremacist leaders um, in aotearoa what are you doing citing and referencing the 28th battalion who were dedicated to overthrowing that and keeping that out of new zealand um, let alone our mana motuhake self-determination symbols as well. Like, so I, I find that really deeply disturbing in the same way that I find Brian Tamaki deeply disturbing, um, mm. the, the overlay that they have that this is somehow about Māori them mm. and, um, and about, you know, Māori rights. It's um, quite clever from a cynical point of view though, isn't it? Because it's sort of like it kind of makes you second guess when you're questioning it. Like I saw someone that I know who's gone, who's into that party, who's Māori, and they were saying, oh, people questioning me, or you Pākehā, you just don't understand, you know, and was using that language of, you know, like to, and it was, you know, like it was making, and even before I had arguing with them, I did second guess myself. Do you know what I mean? So in that cynical kind of way, it is quite clever. I wonder how much he's aware of that though, is how much he's just grabbing symbols. I think he's pretty... Do you reckon he's smart? I think he's somewhat... I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he knows what I, he's doing. I you reckon? That. Yeah, I think he's he's quite calculated in what he's doing. And the Definitely. more that I've observed... And, and I've met Billy before as well. I, um, yeah. Yeah, I, si <laughs> I signed him into the UN. Um, yeah, one time because he came to the UN to meet with Helen Clark, of all people and hadn't True. sorted his security clearance. So um, so I needed to sign him in so that he could get in to meet with Helen Clark. And um, and so, um, and, we've, and we've spoken some after that as well, 
but but you know I, I mean he's not he's not a silly person I, I wouldn't say he's um, not intelligent at all and and I think he's quite calculated in in what he's doing but what I find quite interesting also is that um you know what I've known of him and when I met him is actually very conservative and um and there's this way of talking about about Maori um, development uh, that doesn't, it's not just from him either. There's like an ilk within Maori of people who talk about success and development and self determination through essentially through capitalist um, success, capitalism, and um, and that was generally the his take on it when I knew him. And I think it's still that's still his take on it now, which is, you know, quite um, counterintuitive to a lot of the takes that he has on it. Is quite counterintuitive to people who are immersed in self determination and our sovereignty movement. Understand that there are, there are big issues and big holes in that take of of um, self-determination and tinoranga tiratanga, it doesn't come out of capitalist models. And no. um, yeah, those two things generally wind up clashing anyway. Yeah. Well, so, capitalism's, yeah, it doesn't really weigh out. Capitalism's prime individualism, which doesn't involve the concept of community, right? Which is um, where... Tinoranga tiratanga <laughs> is literally all about the community. Yeah. It's yeah, about, sure. um, there's no individual tinoranga tiratanga. Mm. There's only the well-being of your community, and if your community is well, um, then you know, then you, then you're on the pathway to to tinoranga tiratanga. It's the ability to be able to ranga your tira, which is you know gather gather your community and look after them, and so and so um, you know capitalism is yeah poses some issues anyway and then i guess the other part of it is that you know he he tells a story about how he came to be aware of these things and it was during during the first lockdown whilst he had time to sit down and look at stuff over the internet John, so he should... didn't he didn't he didn't build <laughs> his um basis upon engaging with tinoranga tiratanga movements he didn't build it upon showing up to events or waitangi day you know or engaging with leaders in that space he didn't build it from you know learning the way that many of us have learned through being a part of the movement and engaging with the movement he learned it from facebook you know, he he built his basis of how he feels about these things from from social media and being in lockdown a few months ago, and, and you know there are people who have been involved in these movements for decades. You know, decades. So um, yeah, again, I just you know I, I'm still at a little bit of a loss as to why um, that. I, I guess it's just you know that that's how people. Um, how a good portion of people now um, base their appeal is on is on social media. I think mm. it's timing too, though, right? With COVID and everything that's happening, I mean, people are looking for something. Um, yeah. And I think that whole, not just with um, his movement, but the whole movement, you know, this whole QAnon kind of thing globally, it's really wrapped up in capitalism, right? Because what they want is not 
a complete restructuring of society. They just kind of want this um, type of society that probably didn't even really ever exist, but going back to it, you know what I mean? This kind of, you know, well, like I, I'm my, fr- my friend who's really into this shit, he's always just like, I just don't want, what did he say one time? He's like, I'm trying to remember, I'm paraphrasing, but it was kind of something like, um, I don't want change, I just want things to be like they were, you know? And it's just kind of like, I think there's that element to it. The yeah, make, think, yeah, make New Zealand great again. The, what just yeah. Todd just talked about. The make, same with the make America great again. What they want to do is they want to undo progress. Mm. So it, it, it's the progress that we've made. You know, for instance, with the the way in which our leaders at, that have taken part in the United Nations um, have been heavily criticised by the New Zealand Public Party and 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 Billy TK and and whatnot. And that's because, you know, from like the 1970s, 1980s, you had people like Ngāne Kōman Hinnik going to the United Nations and holding them to account and saying, I am my own sovereign leader. I am my own sovereign voice. New Zealand government doesn't speak for me. They're illegitimate, you know, and, and from my perspective, they're illegitimate and I will be the voice for my people here. And then they, and through numbers of of indigenous peoples. And this goes all the way back to 1923, Wiramu went to the United Nations to say, we will represent ourselves in this place as a nation, as our own nation. Our, our colonial government will not speak for us. And he was shut out. And then after him came Arnold Reedy. And then after him, you know, after them, came, there, there were numbers of different people, that's just from Māoridom, and you had Indigenous people also. And so after decades and decades of lobbying and beating down the door, we finally got to carve out our space where we can have our voice and tell our truth so that the governments aren't just going there all the time going, we treat our Indigenous people great, you know, for <laughs> us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so they would like to undo all of that progress and go back to a space where marginalized voices um and this is you know people uh working class poor people um disabled people women indigenous people communities of color who have taken decades to carve out their rights and their voice in that space they want to undo all that and they want to go back to the place where it was all old white men who controlled the narrative and so controlled the power and controlled the resources. Yeah, because that, that's the progress you're talking about, right, is societal issues, um, equality. And that's why this shit stems out from the, from the right and the far right, because that's who it serves, is... Um, yeah, we don't like just so many issues that that I don't know. Like, what did, what did Dave say last week? Oh, there's too many genders, and um, oh, women don't need equal pay, and you know, um, cops are fine. He was the, playing devil's advocate. Should point out when he said, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." No, so um, we had know. David Ferrier on here last week, and he was talking about <laughs> his run-ins with all the various QAnon people. But yeah, like police are fine. The the murdering of of uh, black indigenous people of color is just sweet. Like that's the back to normal they're actually talking about. Yeah, and so you know, people who are on the far left and left, um, 
And, you know, I, I, I'm an advocate for constitutional reform, treaty-centred constitutional reform. I think we do need to sit down and talk about how power is wielded in this country and, and a more representative model and something that's more aligned to the treaty um, and centred on the treaty as well. Uh, and so, and people who are on the far left, whether they want constitutional reform or whatnot, they, they do want... Um, you know, the system to be brought down and reconfigured. And so, you know, it's to different ends that people want the same thing. They want they want the system to be reconfigured. And so insofar as this group can utilise others to destabilise the system, they're fine to do that. They know very well what it is that they're doing and they're fine and they also understand very well that where marginalized groups do it and in particular um you know maori pacific island or, or black or colored communities or whatever do it that our bodies will be on the line when that happens as well and so we're expendable and mm. so it works well to to have us put our bodies on the line to destabilize the system because that's what they want and then they can step in um, when the time is right for them to step in to make the changes that they want to make. And I'm really conscious that on the sidelines of this, while we're all focusing on the NZPP, you do have the new Conservative Party with some extreme right, you know, fundamentalist right-wing uh, people involved who also want to destabilise um, centrist government, but with some very, um, yeah, disturbing... Um, agendas at play for what they want to see happen after that. Yeah, well, there's there's a kid running for new conservatives who there was a scandal a while ago, or he was appeared in a photo. I don't know who the figure was. I just saw this on Twitter the other day, but the kid had a MAGA hat on in the photo and was pulling the white supremacist okay hands. Well, he signal. was young national, wasn't he at that point? Ah, uh, perhaps. But yeah, he's running for new conservative now, and just I mean like. So that's that's what they're okay with, and that's public facing. So that's mm. just what you see. They're okay with that out in public. So you can only imagine behind closed doors what they really think, because you don't like. I truly <laughs> believe that if that's as they're willing to be seen that way out in public, then it's way more sinister behind closed doors. And um, I believe Public Party was trying to coalesce with New Conservatives yeah. at one point. Um, and I think you alluded to it before too. There's that that National Front guy, Kyle Chapman. Mm -hmm. Do you know his involvement with these events that he's organising? All I know is that you know um, New Zealand Public Party and Advance Party held um, an event um, uh, earlier this month um, at Parliament. It was a protest and. Uh, Sue Gray, who's with the New Zealand Outdoors Party, um, was thanking Kyle Chapman for organising it, really? and was thanking her and was thanking him for inviting her to to be on the speakers list. And, and so, in in so far as at the very least, it and he responded, "You're welcome," essentially. And so, insofar as he had control of the speakers list for the day, 
he certainly helped to organise that. And new, new Conservatives are very present there. They spoke there. Um, and, you know, there are secondary kind of, you know, other connections. So, um, you know, you, I don't know if you would have seen, but Lee Williams, um, who has some association with um, the Christchurch mosque attack groups, the groups involved with the Christchurch mosque attack, and is also he runs Cross the Rubicon, a a, um, a blog that also is very pro-Trump and essentially white supremacist, and so he um, has in in his vlog one of his vlogs is talking about how Billy called him for a meeting to talk about how they could work together. And he is not very complimentary towards Billy, but my question is, why are you reaching out to these people? If you're interested in Tenoranga Tiratanga, why are you reaching out to these people who who um, would who would do us harm? Mm. Well, Kyle, Kyle Chapman firebombed a Marae, right? Kyle Chapman ran New Zealand's largest neo-Nazi organisation for 10 years and started numerous skinheads and neo-Nazi subgroups, um, some of whom patrolled, you know, some of his skinhead groups patrolled the streets of Christchurch, terrorising and violently abusing um, people of colour and Asians and Pacific Islanders and Polynesian whānau. So, um, and, and he has... He's still active in relation to white pride events, um, and and he was also at that event wearing a new conservative um, shirt. And so I'm guessing he's in with the new conservative party. Mm. It's pretty scary, eh? Because you think like this election, Labor's probably going to win, right? But then what about the next election cycle? And you look at how far like Judith Collins is to the right. It's Whoa. not at a question that she could get into bed with these kind of people. Um, in the future. Yeah. Well, you're already seeing Jerry Brownlee parroting some of those so, some of those theories as well, and so... They're fucking psychopath. <laughs> oh. Well, it's the thing, these people have, they're actually, like, completely unscrupulous. They have no scruples and no morality because they will just... It is all about power and... They will like cling to anything. They're just looking for strategies and tactics that will get them into power. They, it doesn't like whether it's harmful, whether it means anything, doesn't mm. fucking matter to them. Just whatever will work is what they're gonna employ. And like, I know, like I don't expect much from the National Party, but <laughs> but even this has been surprising the last few months. And it's like out of desperation. Um, I believe largely because they're very lost at the moment and in disarray. But holy fuck, it's terrifying that that there's a a mate the other major party is employing these tactics like mega tactics. And I think going back to the point of like, you know, these these um, theories and mistruths and the shit people are getting sucked in by can appear kind of funny and trivial sometimes, but when you draw those ties to where it comes from, and we're talking about 
white supremacists in New Zealand. Like I've, I've witnessed white supremacist violence and rhetoric and the way they grouped together when I was young. It was really prevalent where I grew up. And it's not, it's not a fucking joke. And like, they want to actually hurt people. And all, all this stuff, all the QAnon, it all goes back to these places where far right, alt right, white supremacist people gathered on the internet. And this is where it all stems from. And people like, I know reasonable people, like caring people who were like into this shit. And I'm just like, but you refuse to draw those, those, those ties that are, that binds all this shit together. Really yeah, and intelligent, you know, intelligent people as mm. well. And so because, like I said before, because they are able to build from truths, build, for, and this is a part of what our government and media and science and academia need to answer to is that, um, you know, what has been your role in the truths that have been able to be used as the foundation upon which they can build their theories and their rabbit, place their rabbit hole logic and, and place a whole lot of us at risk as well. And, you know, that, the, the, you're so, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of the, it stems back to those um, white supremacist um, groups and corners of the internet, but they've just become much more sophisticated. You know, Kyle Chapman, hasn't seen the light he's just become more sophisticated just like just the same in, over in the states and no doubt you know the strategy that they have now is is also something that they acquired from the states where groups like the nra and um and the far right fundamentalists they understand that that the least um the less public you are the more power you have and, and you can be actually quite powerful if you can work in the shadows and try to control try to control a lot of people because it keeps them guessing, eh? And it creates all of those kinds of, you can create all of these lies around the abstract and the darkness and all of that kind of stuff. You can, you, you can do that if you don't, if you're not out there and, and, and in the public. And so Kyle Chapman is, is a, is taking a back seat right now and working in the background but you know we can still capture him in these little you know we've seen him at those events we've seen people thanking him for organizing those things so that we, we know that he's still present and you can see little bits that he's um you know for instance some of the marches that he's organized so we know that he's still present but but yeah you know um there's definitely, for instance, the KKK never went away. KKK mm. is still out there, but they just have become more sophisticated. They've become corporatized. They've figured out how to achieve their agenda in, in different ways. Yeah, join the police force, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, well, I think heaps of them originally were in the police force anyhow, but yeah, infiltrating the halls of power, right? You look at guys like, uh, Bannon and Roger Stone. Absolutely. Like, Steve Bannon's a perfect example. Yeah. And, and it's a way of legitimizing yourself as well. You know, when you start, when you start, when you shift away from um, having an, a public extremist profile and you shift and you put on a suit 
and you shift into mm. working in a consultant or advisory capacity instead and you're, you're able to be able to get your hands on the levers of power uh, much more easily in that space as well and so um yeah that's um, that's my observation at the moment especially in relation to um cole chapman and um and white supremacy in new zealand is that they are moving towards being less visible and more institutional mm. i think another thing that's really scary about it as well is like because um i work with like do some youth work here with rangatahi and the amount of them that just because apparently on tiktok like i'm not on there because i'm old but you know apparently on there it's like really prevalent and like one of the kids that we work with who's super smart like she's incredible and but she was posting that save the children shit and i hit her up and was like hey look that's nonsense and send her some stuff and she's like oh my god i didn't realize everyone's sharing it so i just thought it must be true and it's you know yeah. it's just and it's so hard to to push yeah. back against it because it's so it's a you guilt know? it's a guilt trap for young people because mm. like you know you get prompted to share hashtag save the children and who doesn't want to save the children like everyone yeah. <laughs> you know and and but what's behind that is way more sinister and is actually harmful to children so yeah and this this one this one kid she's so smart that i could just send her like you know proper articles and she'd read them and get it but like some of the other kids aren't in that position you know because they have learning disabilities or whatever so it's like yeah it's tricky to sort of explain and, it and it's perverse you know like mm. Donald Trump has actual charges outstanding <laughs> against him. Oh, oh, you know, the in investigations. FBI is investigating him for, you know, um, sexual assault against minors. Yeah. And and he and he is an actual associate of Jeffrey Epstein. And yeah, there's video of them hanging out, being good pals, like. Yeah, exactly. And so QAnon. They, you know, who, who their whole, the, the whole rhetoric of Kurnong is that um, Donald Trump is here to clean up the swamp and he's the great saviour and that there's this, you know, um, elitist cabal which is associated with a pedophile ring of powerful people. Yeah, there are pedophile rings of powerful people out there and Donald Trump is, <laughs> is, is the, very clearly associating with them and attached to it. Yeah, well, that, a, a big part of their thing is like the Clinton Foundation being a part of this this pedophilia ring. Donald Trump donated to the Clinton Foundation like several times and he was good friends with the Clintons. All of a sudden he's here to bring them down. Like it just it makes no, no sense. But that's the other thing is that and I, we talked about this last week with David, but there's so many actual conspiracies, like you say, like the whole thing around Jeffrey Epstein. Like, I just understand why if you're going to ruin your life getting into some kind of crazy theory, you just don't do something like that's only, you know what I mean? That's actually yeah. based in some kind of fact. Yeah, exactly. And I feel the same way, you know, in relation to these tinoranga tiratanga issues, which is like, you know, we got actual stuff, you know, we've got actual oil companies trying to take land off people. You've got actual... Um, Overseas companies who have documented human rights and environmental rights abuses being allowed into the country to trade 
through the overseas investment office and and we're trying to challenge that and we're trying to fight off the oil industry and support our whānau in Taranaki and and down south and in relation to those there, there is there are actual issues at play and there are and there are actual tenoranga tiratanga movements and there are movements for constitutional reform as well long-standing ones there's the Matike Mai movement that's in place at the moment and then there's before that you know there were others as well um and so you know I just there are movements that you can get involved in if this is what you're really interested in there are movements that you can get involved in but you know it was kind of similar to some of the other issues when I was working in conservation is I don't know how many people wanted to jump up and down about about um, our stand in relation to pest control in the East Coast. And our stand was we will be the ones to make the decisions about what tools work for our area. And, um, and if that's 1080, then it's 1080. And if that's cyanide, then it's cyanide. And if it's trapping and hunting, then it's trapping and hunting. But we will be the ones to make the decision for what that looks like. And there are all these people that just jumped up and down about that. But not one of them ever showed up to help us with the trapping, to help us with the planting trees, to help us with the set, you know, setting, you know, we're using sign or whatever it is that we needed to do. We're like, where are all you passionate people? So <laughs> there's like, I'm quite sure a whole lot of it is, is really online stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that a exactly. lot of them aren't actually interested in being in a real movement where you have to freaking drive in the middle of the night to go to all these meetings and lobby people and not get much sleep and or buddy get on a boat and travel <laughs> in the middle of the night and cold weather, stormy seas to head something off out at sea. You know, all of that kind of stuff that takes work. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, I suggested last week that that's the possible antithesis to a lot of this or a good challenge to put to people who are proposing that they care about these issues is like, okay, well, this is a real way of, um, you know, affecting action and feeling empowered and connecting to community as well. So if, if someone actually took you up on an offer of like doing something of that nature, what, whatever the particular issue it is they're concerned about, because there'll be a correlated, there'll be something happening that is kind of the crux of what that... So if you're saying, you know, like if, say, someone's um, saved the children, pedophilia, it's like, oh, there's volunteering you can do with vulnerable children. There's there's work to be done that's actually tangible and means something. So I think it's a it's a positive antithesis to, to these things. And, I mean, like, I, ha I had some involvement with Doc at my last um, youth working job in Taranaki. And... Because I, I don't I don't know much about um, conservation and and preservation of of wildlife and ten eighty and all that shit and I went and met those people and I was like and did some trapping with them and releasing like some birds into the bush and shit like that and I learned a lot but I also learned that like ah oh, these people working at DFC that that are trying to do the right thing they're not like evil. Um, yeah. nasty nasty yeah. people yeah no they, i mean and here's the thing you know similar to this covid thing doc also have to answer for the reason why there's a general mistrust as well like they've done they, they have not 
treated communities particularly well in the past, they need to really consider what their role is in creating a culture of mistrust where they have um, abused their own crown privilege and have also been, you know, a lot of, a lot, dock conservation land is essentially, the vast majority of it is land that was alienated from Māori through, um, through legislative means. And so, um, you know, there are some areas that have been gifted by Māori, but a whole lot of it has been alienated from out of Māori hands through legislative um, alienation processes. And so, um, and then they've gone about managing it in a way that is really patronising and does not recognise their treaty responsibilities and um, have contributed to um, people, you know, iwi and hapu being dissociated from from their um, from their kaitukitanga, from their and from their taonga, from their um, the legacy of their ancestors and their forest estates. And again, you know, it's just that same thing where that happens over and over and over again, or it's a multi-generational experience and people aren't going to trust you. And you're, you're asking them to trust you when you say, I'm going to drop this substance in the middle of the bush at the headwaters of your waterways in a place where you can't get to, but I can because we got all the money. <laughs> and mm. you're asking them to trust you. But there's no historical basis for that trust. And yeah, so true. they need to really consider how they have managed their relationships in the past to and and how that might inform how they manage their relationships in the future if they want to start building that trust to get the social license to make the decisions that they want to make. Yeah, that's a might, really good point. It might be really, really optimistic, but does this current climate present an opportunity for... Because, like... The, a really strong argument is being presented to us that the perhaps the 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 breeding of this mistrust amongst people between uh, the the institutions that stand so government media as well and then like you're discussing doc Oranga Tabariki at the moment is a huge one. Um, I think you know there's a really strong argument to be made that communities should be empowered to look after their own communities. Uh, their whenua, all, all these things. And at this time, it seems more obvious than perhaps it has before to a lot of people. It has. And then, you know, even with this government, the whole be kind, we need to be kind, the politics of kindness and all of that. But a whole lot of that, what I notice from this government is about telling other people that they have to be kind telling other communities <laughs> that they have to be kind to each other. There's not oh. a whole lot of reflection on the kindness that they, that you know, that they should be showing towards other groups. And so, um, you know, I, I, if community cohesion, and I do believe community cohesion matters, um, then there's a, there's a whole lot of self-reflection that needs to happen around, you know, what's your role in this government? How do you work with us? in a way that's also kind um, and contributes towards community cohesion as well. You can't just have, you know, Chris Hipkins wagging his finger at people, telling them to be better and to do better. You know, there's stuff that they need to be doing as well to um, to respond to that. Oh, I sound like I'm 
um, beating a dead horse <laughs> on oh. this issue. But it's, but you know, it's true. It's just that whole thing about being kind and and encouraging cohesion. That's a two-way street, and so um, I just want to know, you know, when is that going to kick in for you guys as well? well I think they're, they're Ihu Mātau and Oranga Tamariki are two classic examples of that. Hard out, and I think that they're just co-opting that language, right? Yeah. That language of kindness in the same way that the um, public party are co-opting various things, you know what I mean? They're just, it's, it's really cynical. I'm, I'm loath to bring this up again, but I have to now. <laughs> but last, I think it was early last week, Todd Muller did his fucking fluff piece TV interview about his mental health battle. And like, fuck man, supposed lefties on Twitter, I was drunk, obviously, but they're tweeting it and they're like, this is so brave and courageous and this is really positive for, for the country. I was like, people I know from my community who struggle with their mental health because of the conditions they live in, because of governments like Todd Muller's government, when when they have a mental health crisis, they or if they suck at their job because their job sucks, they lose their job, uh, they commit suicide, they go to jail... Um, they don't go on TV and Todd Muller going on TV talking about his mental health doesn't matter a fucking iota to anyone I care about. That's not going to inspire anyone I know to be like, oh man, I really ought to talk to someone about my mental health. And there's just all this patronizing bullshit on Twitter of people being like, oh, like trying to besmirch anyone who didn't care about Todd Muller's mental health journey. I don't give a fuck about his mental health. <laughs> but I mean, I guess the thing with Todd Muller's um, mental health breakdown is, baby, come on. Come on. Sorry. Are we going to meet someone? My daughter's waking up. But um, the thing with Todd Muller's um, mental health episode is that a lot of that um, was perpetuated, was it happened through a um, really intense situation. Haramai, darling. Haramai. Haramai kito kitaha. Come on. You can do it. Haramai. Come on. Hang up. Yeah, oh, you're all good. Do what you no, need all to do. Oh. So, it happens through him being involved in a toxic situation. You're right, my girl. Pirangi koe te nohi nei. Okay, kita poi. You hop on the couch. Um, yeah, a lot of that happened through toxic work culture. Yeah. You know, he sat at the most constant, he sat at a place of incredibly concentrated toxic power amongst toxic people. And that's what's going to happen. You wind up becoming, in to- you know, he, he, he wound up in a very toxified place and he became toxified himself mentally toxified himself and was unwell yeah for sure so um you know if you want to if you really want to get better he needs to leave that women toxic party <laughs> you no, know like he... there's there's some really there's a whole lot of unwellness all around him i don't doubt that he was that he had a mental health episode but sure but you know he's quite he sits in a he's participating within a party that perpetuates mental health unwellness for huge swathes of the New Zealand population. Hard. Really, you know, nasty, nasty legislation and policy that would result in mental health and physical health 
um, issues for huge swathes of the New Zealand population. Uh, a very toxic and, as you pointed out before, Todd, nasty rhetoric. And they and it was a snake pit and they turned on each other um, at the same time as, as he was having to deal with a whole lot of other things as well. And so I just think it was really indicative of the toxic place that he still chooses now to engage in. Yeah, well, he gets one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year to stay there, or whatever. <laughs> and it is. he gets paid very well to do it, and to do it in a way that results in mental unwellness for a whole lot of New Zealanders. Yeah, I, I, I've been in jail several times uh, a long time ago, but I, I get—I guess that's the reason I get real mad about this because the percentage of the prison population uh, who are dealing with like serious mental health problems. Um, is incredible and watching people struggle to hold on to their sanity in that place that just exacerbates it is heartbreaking and so i just really can't spare any sympathy for the bro todd oh and the mental health you know the mental health issues that are um that that have their genesis in the in state well state care you know in the in the state care to prison pipeline people who are who are taken out of homes by the government through policies and that you know national policies are terrible in that sense in terms of the, the children who were taken out of homes and then abused under state care and the mental health issues that were associated with that and you know i just i yeah it's it, it is difficult to i mean i i have um I don't wish mental unwellness on anybody. Of course, I don't wish mental unwellness on anybody, but it's difficult to help someone who won't help themselves. And I don't think he helps himself when he remains in a toxic party that is dedicated to um, perpetuating disparities that result mm. in mental unwellness. Yeah. yeah that's it's it's got to be bad for your for your wairua. It's got to be bad for his wairua. Yeah. You You're way more way, diplomatic way than Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Far, um, far better than I've ever expressed that, but absolutely. I don't blame anybody for, I, I don't blame even, you know, I don't blame people for being pissed about it. Yeah. No. Uh, but that, yeah, that kindness and respectability politics where people are chastising you if you don't care, it's like, uh, sorry, okay. <laughs> 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 um, well, it's no, I mean, that's, I, I, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Mm, I don't, mm. yeah, I just think it's completely reasonable. You just go, why, why should, why would I, I don't want to say I don't feel bad for you, but then you help yourself and, yeah. and stop, stop creating that situation for other people as yeah. well. And then I'll be more invested in your wellness because you'll be more invested in your wellness and you'll be more invested in the wellness of others. Imagine he, imagine he lost his job and had to go try and get a food grant or something. <laughs> <laughs> That could be a great reality television show. Todd uh, Muller down at the fucking Wins office. He'd <laughs> be in for quite a shock. Hard out. Uh, you have to prove you're going for a mental health crisis before we can give you this $50 um, <laughs> meal, meal ticket. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, they, they, they're all... You have a look at all of the houses that they own. Like, they're all doing very, very well for themselves as well you know particularly these groups also when you consider the, the a lot of the groups where um it's the irony if we're going to come back to QAnon and um 
and the alt-right and the, the, the groups that are um, perpetuating the, uh, a lot of the issues, a lot of the problems, um, a lot of them are actually doing very, very well for themselves, but they, um, they like to, or they're, they're fine with utilizing the lower class, middle class, socio-economically challenged, um, far no, those who are disaffected, those who are disenfranchised, it's kind of like throwing them in front of the bus, throwing yeah. us in front of the bus. Yeah. in order to achieve their ends. But they're actually doing quite well. They're doing all right for themselves. Yeah, well, essentially what, what Billy is doing is the exact same thing Brian is doing in terms <laughs> of, like, take, they're taking donations and making money off this and all the people spinning this stuff really hard are making money off it. There's clear motivation there in front of you. Like, it's very nasty. Oh, Billy loves money. <laughs> I'll say oh, 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 oh. He I, loves money. I mean, you, you, if you look through his um, YouTube, you'll see. I mean, he's a he's ultimately a capitalist, but also, uh, and he sees tinoranga tinatanga self determination coming through an economic space, and kātitena, please. Um, and uh, but you know, he also. He chases trade deals, yeah, chases trade deals around the world. Yeah, um, works in that in that sphere. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot of unflattering um, Facebook threads with people from the music community in Aotearoa. Yeah, and doesn't talk. he doesn't pay his bills? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. he rips lots of people off. There's heaps of it. Um, should we let you do some parenting? It looks like the oh, she's. I think she's actually all crashed out now. Anyway. Okay, sweet. You're all good. Um, it looks very, very peaceful. Oh, one thing I did want to ask you about was was that uh, Rata tool? Was that your initiative? Yeah, I mean, I um, I've come through. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that I've been thinking about in relation to the information superhighway, the way in which social media and the internet has opened up pathways to information, some of it not great. A lot of it's more like fast food, the fast, you know, McDonald's equivalent of information. Yeah. Um, and, you know, traditionally, um, your, your ascendancy through information, through, you know, learning greater levels and enlightenment was a process that was really it was stepped out it was mindful and it was supported you had people you know people around you that supported you through a wānanga process and so i've been thinking about you know how can we apply some of those tools to help us step out the way that we process information and the way that the way that we always used to um and uh, some of those tools, you know, that said, those those tools are also accessible when you go through um, institutions of higher learning. Yeah, for better or for worse. But, you know, there are things to do with um, when, when you're involved in research, and I am involved in research, and, and there are things that make information high quality, valuable information. 
So yeah. it's stuff to do with was it discovered recent? You know, what was it not discovered? Was it published recently? Is it relevant to the topic? Um, is what this person is suggesting and in, in this study that they're citing, is it accurate to what that study originally said or are they misrepresenting what that study said? Um, are there other people who have cited that study? You know, has it come through other groups as well that are reputable and, um, and also have, you know, are there consequences around that person if they if they are found to be saying something that's not true as well and so there's a few different tools that you can utilize um to kind of slow that process down yeah and i'm really interested in slowing slowing that process down how we look at how we look at information there's a whole lot of people that just press click and share and yeah. really don't bother yeah i think we all do it sometimes um the best place to access that tool, because I thought it was really incisive, um, is can people find that on your Facebook or is there a better place to access Yeah, I just that? did a Facebook Live because a lot of, you know, some whānau were asking me about the things that you do. So I just did a quick, and I was thinking about it, I guess, oh, well, you know, we like acronyms. So it was really, honestly, a five-minute thing <laughs> where I just yeah. came up with the acronym to say, oh, yep, that's a accurate timely and um and accountable and yeah. accountable yeah and so yeah. those are just four tools there's lots more tools and nor are those four tools foolproof but it was just it's better than nothing you know yeah absolutely um on that note i would i would encourage people to go follow tina on on facebook um and where where can people where's the best place to read what you're writing at the moment well i've got i've got a patreon page um oh. so you can you can check me out on patreon a lot of the stuff that i put out i put out publicly through patreon um i also have a wordpress site which is tinangata.com um and then you know you can find me on twitter a lot of the stuff that i produce i'll wind up linking through to my twitter and stuff like that as well so um, my Patreon and WordPress are linked up to each other. So either of those if you want to send us the links, we can share them uh, yeah. through this. Yes. Yeah, and I, I'd encourage listeners, particularly people who are struggling to engage in a in a meaningful and constructive way with people to to read what what Tina's writing and saying. And um, did did you see uh, Laura O'Connell Rapira's article? What was her one? Yeah, I, I actually, so I have on my Patreon page, um, one of my open publications on that page is um, I, I've started to collect resources. I've got a collection of resources, including podcasts, websites, oh, David Farrier's work is on there that helps us to, you know, some tools for how you talk with whānau about it. Yeah. But, you know, I've had whānau contacting me talking about their relationships, you know, their marriages on the rocks. I've had whānau contacting me saying, I need to move out of home with my with my baby because my mum's now down the rabbit hole and yeah. I don't want to go down it with her. And so she thinks I'm a part of the problem. She won't wear a mask in public and she's not isolating there in Auckland. And, and so I feel like I need to take my baby and move out, but we can't find anywhere to move to. Like people are freaking, you know, 
it, it's really impacting on relationships and people's sense of safety. Yeah. So, um, so I have a page that has a whole lot of tools for how we can talk with Fano, um, and help us to understand the anatomy of a conspiracy theory or rabbit hole logic, how it works, and and at what point to try and disengage and places you can go to for help. Yeah, amazing. That's awesome. So good. Well, cool. we're we're gonna sign up, um, and. <laughs> We can use some of our Patreon money at last. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we could mutually sign up to each other's Patreon then. <laughs> we don't oh, and as, yeah, we all come out looking better, but we're no one's any broker. Um, <laughs> right. I want to thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Tina. Eves. I've, it was amazing. Really, really appreciate it. Really pertinent and insightful. Oh, sorry, baby. Um, yeah. Thanks thanks so much. You're welcome guys. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for the work that you're doing. Ah, uh, thank you. All right. Get you Bye. later. For Maria.